Hi everyone, welcome to Training with Casey, where we explore animal training and living our best lives with animals. I'm Joseph Laughlin, producer of this podcast, and now here's your host, Casey Covert. Let's get started. Hey, thank you, Joseph. Welcome to everyone. It's Training with Casey, and I'm your host, Casey Covert, and this is Bringing the Horses Home number seven. Yeah, you're going to see a lot of repetition in these. It's just a journal of the whole adventure, bringing our horses home. In case I didn't mention it enough times, I have a long history of managing animals. So I have an animal science degree, and I managed exotic animals for years at the National Zoo, And then I've managed my own animals, including a parrot and a monkey and snakes and all kinds of things. And um, my horse is 32. So there you go. That's some success right there. However, what I didn't know, I have to learn now at breakneck speed because everything can be important. And you'll remember that the ongoing primary issue has been toxic plants. So I want to let you know we are seeming to get past that. So we still have a lot of wisteria to deal with. And get this, we already brought the heavy equipment in, right? Remember a whole industrial dumpster full of wisteria vines. And then we worked for another two solid weeks to maybe even four solid weeks. And uh, the the big equipment got a half a dumpster and we filled that dumpster in the time afterwards. Did we get all the wisteria? Not on your life. And it's harder to get right now because it's been pretty dry. So it's not as easy to pull the roots up through the earth, the roots run shallowly across the ground and they criss and cross so that as you pull up one, you all of a sudden will be blocked because another one runs over it in a different direction. However, we have the entire east side, I'm sorry, not east side, south side, cleared to within eight feet of a property line. So now we're working on that last eight feet. And then we just have about another half an acre to go. And notably, the round pen doesn't have wisteria in it. However, it's growing right up next to it. So the saga continues. I already mentioned that Sarah loves it. It's like French fries, apparently. Very bad for you and therefore all the more worth getting. So what's out there? Well, what's going to be out there is the long-term grazing. But what else is out there is the round pen. So I want to talk to you about that today. And the goal of the round pen was to encourage general fitness for the horses, but also for all of us. This is something we can go out together and do just 
walk around and around and talk and have music and, and so on. It's actually a lot of fun. Then um, this is not only good for our general fitness, but Sarah, like myself, has insulin resistance. And Dave has insulin resistance. And I would suspect that with the recent stress affair has insulin resistance. And the only thing that's worked for me, uh, because I've been on a low carb diet for over a year and I didn't get diagnosed with diabetes until I had lost 50 pounds <laughs> and you're supposed to reverse diabetes if you lose weight. And it turns out that I handle stress very well mentally and I thought I didn't experience stress. Well, I mean, I'd know, I'd know I had a lot of stress, but I thought I was dealing with it well. It turns out that my blood sugars had gone way up and nothing would reverse them except for exercise. The medications they gave me weren't very effective. So last time I went in, they um, officially said I had reversed the diabetes and I was now pre-diabetic, but really you're always that way, right? And as with Sarah, neither one of us eats carbs very much. Like she doesn't get grain in her food. She gets alfalfa pellets, coconut meal, and soybean meal. So the search continues, but the one thing I know that will help is the exercise at least twice a day. And we're putting, kind of bookending the exercise with grazing. So let's see how that goes. So here's the round pen to date. It's 60 feet in diameter, four inches deep of packed sand. And this is a very fine sand that's local to us. And it packs very nicely. It makes a dense surface and uh, kind of impedes the weeds growing up through it. However, they're still doing that. So initially we had had to put the fence around the round pen inside the border because the round pen was accumulating water during rains. So then Carson came out and fixed that and we had some more rains and we saw it was fine. So yay, that's a oh, score. So then what do you do about the weeds? Because the weeds are creeping in from the edges. And oh gosh, I hate this wire grass, which the stuff spreads across the sand like a wire and then fills in. And it's really tough to pull it up or anything else. So we're working on that. But um, this week, Dave and Cece fenced the round pen. And when they did it, they they used a four foot livestock fencing with two inches wide, four inches high squares. And they hung it about four inches off the ground. So it's on the sand, off the ground. This is so we can bring the side blade right underneath it and keep cutting back the weeds. Now, could we graze the animals there? No, 
Not, it's not like we can let it grow up and just let the animals eat the grass because the sand sticks to the plant matter and you could risk having sand colic, sand impaction. We don't want to do that. So we put an opening on the far side of the round pen so we can walk through it and get to grazing and keep going still deciding how to divide up the grazing spaces. So um, today was the first time we could go out and use it with the new fencing, the entire diameter. And we rearranged our Cavaletti. Now our Cavaletti, you know how they say some people are a cheap date, I'm a cheap Cavaletti. And um, Sarah and Affair both don't want to jump anything. Never did. Not interested. Not in the least. And so getting them to just go over Cavaletti is actually a bit of a discussion. Um, but they're doing it really well. And the whole point of it is that it increases the workout. And the way the workout happens, you know, because they have to actually lift their legs. So... We are hoping that this will help to build top line. Oh, sorry, guys, I did it again. Okay, so remember back when I was telling you the goals, the goals, fitness, insulin resistance, and rebuild the top line. Now, when a horse gets older, they can lose muscle mass because it's used up to create blood sugar when they become insulin resistant. and that comes with stress. Boy, uh, the more I see it, the more I'm convinced this is a huge part of all this diabetes and everything else that is now epidemic throughout the world. Stress. Anyway, both horses have lost a lot of top line and uh, the vets tell me it'll take six months to a year to see any change, no matter what we do. But... Uh, exercise and weight resistance, uphill, uphill. We're in Virginia Beach. Hello. This is like flat as a salt pan. Well, I shouldn't say that. We have a hill. Our property ranges in, uh, you know, elevation above sea level from three and a half to five feet. Okay. So we have like a one and a half foot grade somewhere. I can't see it just by looking, but I'm told it's there. All right, so got the fence replacement in and we arranged the Cavaletti around the outside and we're careful to walk in both directions. Now, right now we're walking a little more counterclockwise. If you didn't know this, the horses generally prefer counterclockwise and you gotta really talk to them to get them to go clockwise. Like if they're lunging, they'll go one, two, three times, flip around really fast. They don't like it. Unless you think they're just being difficult, even water wants to rotate counterclockwise in the Northern Hemisphere. So this is a big deal, but we do it in both directions so that we build up everything equally. And we figured out, that uh, a place where we can put tools, hang them right next to the round pen because we're gonna be using hose 
and hard rakes to keep the various kinds of grasses and sedges from taking home, taking hold, not to mention trumpet vine, smilax, honeysuckle. Have I mentioned wisteria? Yeah, that too. Okay, so remember we hung the fence higher so we can get the side blade underneath it. And we can't let the horses eat the weeds because of the sand. And you might recall we also had placed a pathway of stall mats to go from the paddock area out to the round pen. And man, has that been a great idea. That's really great. And it works for us on a lot of different levels. For one thing, the water, when it comes out of the gutter, goes right down the rubber to the swale. We don't have to put a big gutter to go, you know, from the end of the building all the way out there because it's just got its own little riverbed. It also keeps all the vines and shrubs and poison ivy from growing up, although uh, more on that later because I think we're going to have to fix something because some poison ivy is trying to come up from between the mats. What is a manager to do? So, um, but the stall mats are really, really helpful. So we walked around and around probably for 20 minutes today. And then we took the horses straight through for some hand grazing in the big, we'll call it the pasture, okay? We'll call it the pasture because nobody's going to arrest us for misleading you, but it's not really a pasture yet. More on that later too. Okay, so what else are we doing? Well, we're hand grazing the horses in the garden. So to do that, we had to remove the cattle panel gate, which if you don't know cattle panels, they're kind of stiff and they're 16 feet long. So you can use a post and pull one end of the cattle panel back and just walk through it. It's really easy, inexpensive, and you just put a clip and you're good to go. You put a clip to keep it closed when you don't want to be there, but it's not the easiest gate for a horse to navigate because it's not very visible and it's long and skinny. You kind of have a gauntlet that you have to pass through. Like you don't go straight through the gate. You have to align with the gate and walk alongside the gate. And then you can veer off once you get far enough in. So why the garden? Well, because it's got all these little tiny pathways, little pathways that are 30 inches wide and we can get a lawnmower in there, but you know, we need grass for these horses. And we're looking at all this grass and it's like, it's gorgeous. It's not just gorgeous. It has lots of different kinds of things in it. It is a salad a salad buffet. So we took Sarah in first and she was really good with it. She not only is good with it, she is downright cocky. She starts to navigate through the little paths 
And I talked to her about it. Are you sure that you're confident to do that? Because it gets really thin up here. And she just backed out when she was ready. Like she'd planned the whole thing out. There was no um, alarm. Oh my God, how am I going to get out of here? That didn't happen. But affair is blind. So Dave has to go in and do reconnaissance before he brings her in. He has to clearly see where he can take her and how he can turn her around and make sure there's nothing there that's going to be a problem for her. Like in this garden, we have a table feeder for crows and things like that. We have hummingbird feeders and lots of logs. And we have one, two, three, four hoogle beds. And so that's a lot of things to walk around. Not to mention our watermelons and cantaloupes did great. And they have grown all in around the pathways, all over the pathways. And um, we have other plants growing from the, you know, the actual garden beds and extending outside the garden beds. The sweet potatoes, even the peppers have, you know, arched over and descended onto the pathway. And this is in spite of the fact that our basic design is three by eight foot beds with a three by eight foot frame, you know, on top of it so that we can um, loop string twine, three millimeter twine, if you need to know. Um, to have the tomatoes go up and everything. And do you know, last year I used two millimeter twine and this year I looked for something bigger and I didn't find a good source of four millimeter, but I did find three millimeter and changed over to it. And just in the nick of time, because we had a couple of old two millimeter pieces, beautiful bean plant, single plant growing all over this thing. And all of a sudden it breaks the twine. So we had to tie the entire bunch up and suspend it. Kind of crazy. But anyway, it's all good. So we had the two horses out there. And oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. So beautiful because all these butterflies, sulfur butterflies, buckeyes, every different kind of swallowtail. I think I've even seen giant swallowtail in there, but I can't be absolutely sure yet. Um, comet, com yeah, comma butterflies, cabbage, just everything, sphinx moths, lots of things. So the um, things are all growing and it's a tough time in the garden because we're through, we're into the second week in August it is hard to keep up with the water demand. Like it is so hot. It's been over uh, with the heat index and everything over a hundred degrees. I know everybody's experiencing it, but you can't water when it's hot like that. You have to do it on either end of the day. So if you miss it in the morning, just kind of crossing your fingers that everything's okay. Anyway, 
as we are letting Sarah graze, I'm concerned by certain things because in this part of the property, we have lots of asters, lots of them. Do I like them or not like them? Well, I like them just fine along the margins if I'm not grazing horses because they are toxic to horses. But of course, you know, the local critters like them. Anyway, so uh, now we're going to try to get rid of them in the actual yard area so that we don't have to worry so much about the horses. But right now, they're like the guard hairs on a German shepherd. You know, the grass grows down below it and the asters are thin, almost grass-like plants that, um, you know, protect the grass from the horses. In case you didn't know it, one of the ways that the horses are telling what they're eating is that they use their tongue to grab the grass and pull it against their teeth. They do not use their teeth to cut the grass. And so they're actually tasting the stuff. It is amazing at how good they are at avoiding the asters, the dock, the burdock. There's just a lot of toxic things. They don't even go anywhere near nightshades, nothing in the tomato family. They've been really good about that. Did I mention wisteria? Yeah, not so good about that. All right, so that's one aspect. We have all these plants and butterflies, hummingbirds all over everywhere. Lots of other birds as well. Although this time of the day, you know, like the shoulders of the day, 10 o'clock to 12 o'clock and um, three o'clock to six o'clock is we usually graze them sometime in there. And those parts of the days are really hot. And there's usually not that many birds around. Birds are usually earlier and later. Okay. So another great thing about this is there are many, many herbs that I planted there or intentionally allowed to grow. And some of these things are not supposed to be good for horses like chives and green onions. But I found that the horses eat wild onions in the spring. And they do that very mindfully and only occasionally. And so I think they know about the fact that, you know, they recognize that the onions help their immune system, although there's other things they don't help. I found out today that Sarah really likes lamb's quarters. And that is in the spinach family, one of my favorite greens to forage. I like it so well that I dug up one from the stable with Lynn's permission and brought it to my house and it grew, it, they grow like four to six feet tall so far in my experience. And so it did that and it produced a lot of seeds. So I spread some around and the next year I had three plants. Well, this year I have 20 plants. I'll have essentially a lamb's quarters uh, forest out there. But, you know, they're not real thick or anything. And the other herbs grow up underneath them. And it actually gives the other plants relief because they get light shade. And that has been helpful. Now, other 
herbs that we have that are good for the horses are um, catnip. That's really good. And we have mint. I'm not sure where that is. So far, they're not eating any mint, whether it's good for them or not. And then there's uh, plants that are good for people. And I don't know about the horses like hostas. If you have hostas in your garden, if you didn't know it, I'm reading that those are completely edible and taste somewhat like asparagus. Haven't tried it yet. All right. So Sarah's not only getting this great salad of various kinds of grasses and greens from the paths between these hugel beds and these garden beds, but she's also eating the greens and the herbs that are growing in the hugel beds. So she's very confident. And today she climbed up to graze on the top of the lamb's quarter. And it just so happens that's fine with me because um, I harvest most of the lamb's quarters that I'm going to eat early in the season where it's young and tender. And I don't need any more seeds. Like I'm not thinking I want to make lamb's quarters porridge this year. So, which you can, by the way. Anyway, so just knowing that she likes it and that it was worth it to her to climb up. So here's the breakthrough, guys. See what you think about this. A hugel bed is built of logs. A lot of times you build a trough first. But we don't, we just piled the logs up and then piled other dirt on them and so forth. And over time, the wood rots and condenses and you just keep adding more mulch and dirt. And the next thing you know, you've got kind of like dikes that are raised planter beds. And what we use them for mainly is our herbs and you know, our medicinal herbs are flowers like coneflower, which is also medicinal. And it's great because you can, it's prettier. You know, it's not all flat on the ground. It ranges up and down and you can more easily pick things like raspberries. And I really like them. So, but here's the big idea. I could put a hugel bed around the round pen or some other place back by the um, round pen and make it like, let's say on the way to the various grazing areas. As you can tell, this hasn't really taken form yet. But the idea is that we could plant all these herbs that, you know, we're discovering more and more of them that we want the horses to have access to. Dandelion, plantain, goldenrod, um, possibly mugwort. Now we know lamb's quarters. It goes on and on. So as I'm going through it and I get a chance to check, I keep checking these things um, to make sure whether or not they're toxic to the horses. But if we had Google beds that were really secure and we planted them with interesting things, then the horses would walk themselves over them. That's exactly what Sarah did today. She not only went up and grazed the lambs course, 
but she walked over to the other side and then turned around and came back. Now, I don't want to encourage that in general in the garden because I got other things planted there that I don't want her to take out by stomping them to death. But it was really great to see that she did it carefully, that she did it safely. It worked out fine. And guess what? There's no other way that I've been able to think of short of making my own little mountains in the back field where we could actually get up and down exercise. Because remember, I told you she's not going to jump over stuff. I'd have to get dynamite or something for that to work. Okay, so round pen is truly functional. And as of today, the 13th of August, we start our intentional program to increase all of our fitness and reverse insulin resistance and reverse the top line loss. Also, we've got a plan for keeping the weeds out of the round pen, we'll, we'll keep up on that. The stall mats are working very well for keeping the weeds and um, vines from growing where they were profuse before. I mean, this stuff is so bad if you try to walk through it and you mow it one day and the next day the poison ivy is tickling your ankles, okay, it's that bad. So... And then finally, this breakthrough, the idea, first of all, we can graze the garden paths so we don't have to worry about getting in there to cut them as much as we would otherwise have to do. And it's more diversity for the horses, but also they revealed that a hoogle bed might be a really great development for our horses. We'll keep you posted. Hey, thank you for joining me tonight. It's so much fun to keep track of this. And you know what? I'm not so much of a writer these days. I have so much writing I have to do. It's very nice to just talk to you and explain what we're doing. And it makes me keep track of what we learn and how we learn it. All right, you all take care. Thank you and good night. Hey fans, are you enjoying training with Casey? Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Casey Covert on YouTube. That is youtube.com forward slash C slash Casey Covert. Also, give the podcast a like, share, and comment. Thanks for joining us. Come back for more news and views on animal training and living with animals. Stay at the top of the pack with Casey. This is Joseph Laughlin, producer of Training with Casey. See you next time.